Hey, Rose, do you ever call up Royally Obsessed on Alexa? It's one of the easiest ways to listen to the pod. You can hear our latest episode every week there, thanks to Amazon Music, which has a full catalog of podcasts, including Royally Obsessed. All you have to do is say, Alexa, play Royally Obsessed on Amazon Music. Oh, no, mine is listening to me say that right at this moment. <laughs> a royal reminder, new episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in on Amazon Music. Now on to the show. Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed. I'm Roberta. And I'm Rachel. And before we dive into all the royal news, please follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Also, send us a note, info at gallerypodcasts.com. That's gallery podcasts with an S on the end. Rachel, I feel like the question of the week is what's going on with the royals? I know. I feel like it's been such a tough week for them. And I feel like we're going to obviously talk about the latest, all of that. But it's been a roller coaster. And I think all of 2024 has been that way for this family. It's a head scratcher for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about that. We're going to be discussing King Charles's in-person audience with Rishi Sunak to Prince William bowing out of King Constantine's memorial at Windsor Castle at the very, very, very last minute. There's more. We're talking about Meghan's power lunch and dinner, all these recent sightings, Harry's loss in court, and also the SAG Awards, Elizabeth Debicki. We're very excited for her. We're going to talk about all that and so much more. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. Before we get into all of that, though, of course, we leave room for our royal refreshment and to cheers each other via Zoom. Rachel, this week, I'm feeling a little under the weather after all of the engagement celebration. <laughs> yes, you've had a lot going on. You can probably hear it in my voice. So I'm sipping tea from my Emma Bridgewater Union Jack mug, which I love. Shout out to that company. It's so wonderful. And just trying to catch up before this weekend when, of course, the celebrations probably continue. I know. What is your tea of choice? Like, what is do you have a go to brand? Is it royal or is it not? No, I just use the sleepy time, like chamomile generic. Yeah, chamomile and peppermint. I've been doing Harney Ooh. and Sons peppermint lately, and I just I do feel like it has like an extra zip in terms of the brands. I love Harney and Sons. Yeah, I'm just a Twinings, like very generic grocery store tea yeah. girl. But I, I should step up my game. I should step up my game. I go through tea a lot. I feel like I, I've been drinking it more and trying to like wean myself off so much coffee because I got to a point where I was drinking way too much coffee. So trying to do tea. Yeah. Tea is just very cozy. Like, and it's been such a rainy week. So I think that it just is very nice. Tell me about your week next week because I'm so excited for you guys. Well, yes. Well, we have news that we are going to be taking next week off because I'm going to Disney World and I'm so sorry Yay! to like deprive everyone of an episode because of my vacation, but I feel like it's very exciting. We leave on Friday. All the tips and recommendations. I feel like, Roberta, you are kind of a Disney expert. No, 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 no. I'm not a Disney expert. I went... I went for a long weekend in December and just we were just before hitting record on this Zoom talking about the stroller parking, which is a culture unto itself at Disney. What was your favorite ride when you were there? I loved Guardians of the Galaxy. This is what everyone says. Yeah. That's not one for children. I don't it think. It goes backwards, right? The roller coaster? Yes. Yes. My mom was screaming the whole time at the highest pitch I've ever heard. It was it was like I kind of laughed the entire time because of her reaction to it. I don't think she expected it to be so fast, but 
I mean, it's just really wonderful going to walking through Cinderella's castle. My niece did the Bippity Bop boutique. All of it is just so fun. Yeah, we've been doing like a Disney education because I feel like Finn knows the main players, but we've been trying to bust out all the classics like Peter Pan and The Little Mermaid and movies that he really hasn't seen. Yeah, Dumbo, like things like that. So we're like, watch this now so you recognize the characters. And we got like an autograph book and those things ahead of time. So I'm excited. I just like honestly want some really nice 80 degree weather. I feel like I'll be in your area. Like, you're always in Florida, and I haven't been in ages. Yeah, it's going to be so nice. I hope the weather is good Florida weather for you guys. Do you have any restaurants that you're most looking forward to? I could not tell you the names of them if I tried because... (laughs) That's the one planning all of it. But I we do have some character breakfast. We're doing one with I want to say it's at Crystal Palace with Winnie the Pooh. So we have some booked. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm like, I really just want some poolside snacks. Like I'm not expecting a ton from the food, but I just want to be at the pool as much as possible. So also the parks, but the pool, too. (laughs) I agree that you should level set your expectations about the food. But it was the character. Things were so fun. Like we did Chef Mickey and stuff. So I remember that just being like the kids lit up. They loved it. Okay. All right. Well, I will report back after the trip. And if any listeners have any recommendations, you know where to find me. Let me know once you see the strollers all parked together. It's kind of it's just kind of a thing. All right, moving on. Our listener email. We got this really lovely note from Katie, who counts herself a longtime listener based just outside of Toronto. This is what she wrote. I stumbled across your podcast in the dark days of the pandemic, and you have been keeping me up to date with the royals ever since. I love your balanced take on the British monarchy and your fascination with the cultural elements across the pond. I wanted to thank you for mentioning the play Casey and Diana, which was on stage in Toronto this month. I bought tickets to the show when I heard about it on the podcast. The play was focused on the AIDS epidemic, which was reaching its peak in the early 1990s, and in particular, Casey's House, which was a hospice for clients dying of the disease. Casey's House received a historic visit from Diana, and the play fictionalized the impact of this visit on the resident. You had mentioned this play in a conversation around whether or not there should be a bit of space given to Diana's legacy. I agree that her name and legacy has sometimes been used for profit. I would have to say that this play really highlighted the ways in which Diana positively contributed to the world and less about her personal life. It told a powerful story of Diana's ability to humanize people who were often othered by society. Thanks again for your weekly dose of royals, and I'm including her P.S. because she says, I love the integration of your own fashions, restaurant recommendations, and travel tips. Keep it coming. I thought that was... Aside from her lovely note, that little P.S. was such a flattering endorsement uh, that people want to hear our advice, like travel tips, all that stuff. It means a lot. I don't know. So appropriate on the heels of my question about the Disney food. I know. I know. See a review. (laughs) I also just really love this first person review of Casey and Diana. I know we had recommended that a while ago. And I also wanted to add that I was chatting with a friend in Brooklyn yesterday who out of the blue shared this culture recommendation, not as uplifting or impactful as a show that talks about Diana. But ahead of Scoop coming out, she raved about the two-part Prince Andrew documentary, Secrets of Prince Andrew, which is on A&E. Did you ever watch that, Roberta? I haven't seen that. No, I'm going to write it down now and watch it this weekend. Yeah. She said that it's a great precursor to watch ahead of Scoop, which she's also looking forward to. So I was like, gosh, I don't know how I missed that one. But when we're not recording next week because you're you know, flitting around Magic Kingdom, I guess I'll have time to watch Prince Secrets of Prince Andrew. <laughs> I know, right? Like, put that in your calendar. It doesn't sound right. that fun. But it, she said it was riveting. So 
I'm sure it's very enlightening. I also wanted to call out that Katie in her note mentioned that article we discussed from the New York Times about Princess Diana's legacy. And the title of that article, if you want to go back and read it, is really interesting and thought provoking. It's called Leave the Poor Princess Alone from Jesse Green. So it was a New York Times critics notebook article. So thank you for writing us, Katie, though. That was a great note. All right, diving into this week in royal history. Underrated royal alert. Can we have like a sound pumped in? <laughs> yes, we need one. I also just love that this Timothy is the history Lawrence. because you loved him. I do. And I will tell you why in this segment. So Timothy Lawrence is this week in royal history because he turns 69 this Friday. Vice Admiral Sir Timothy James Hamilton Lawrence. Ooh, the second that's a mouthful. Hus- <laughs> it is. It's a nice name. The second husband of Princess Anne was born on March 1st, 1955 in South London to a commander of the Royal Navy and his wife, Barbara. Reminder that he was equated Queen Elizabeth II for three years in the late 80s. He married her daughter, Princess Anne, two years after leaving that post, and they've been together 32 years now. I have to flash back to these steamy letters that were sent from Sir Tim, who was at the time 34 years old, to Princess Anne, who was at the time 38. The letters were delivered to the Sun anonymously in April of 1989. And although the contents weren't revealed, they were given to Scotland Yard for fingerprinting. They fingerprinted over 500 people, but they still have no clue who sent the letters to the Sun. The contents of the letters were never published, like I mentioned, but they were said to be of extremely personal and intimate nature and too hot to handle, which makes me think that the Crown and Bridgerton need a crossover all about Princess Anne. Simon and Daphne flashbacks. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, these letters expedited the divorce from Captain Mark Phillips, who was her husband at the time. I thought this was fascinating. I didn't know that much about the dissolution of the marriage between Anne and Mark, but he reportedly took a DNA test in 1991 and was found to have fathered a child with an art teacher in New Zealand while they were married. Now, Captain Mark Phillips, who is 75, is reportedly dating a woman 32 years younger. This is as of 2022 in the Daily Mail. So who knows? Take it with a grain of salt. But just interesting. He also dated prior to that a woman who's 28 years his junior. So just fascinating. Not that this has anything, anything at all to do with Thomas Kingston. I don't want to be salacious at all, but just husbands of the royals is the theme here. And you just never know what's going on behind the scenes. And we are going to talk about his death, but I just feel like it's just everything going on behind the scenes with the royals. It's so, so fascinating. Back to Tim, though. He's one of those rare royals that never has spoken to the press out of turn. He's never divulged secrets. He's very mum on the record, and he does have a good sense of humor. He seems utterly devoted to his military service, but also to Anne. Here's a clip of, the, of him at a event. Asking me to stand in for my wife at an event like this is a bit like asking Mrs. Harry Kane to lead the England football team out. <laughs> or, or possibly to, to take a penalty for England that her husband did the night before last. I don't know Mrs. Kane, and for all I know she may well have a very strong right foot, but in any case, I'm sure she, she'd do her best, and so will I. By the way, she and I do have one thing in common, we are both supporters of Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. 
at an event for the military, just saying that, you know, he's no stand in for his wife, Princess Anne, who is so utterly devoted to the job and to her role and is one of the hardest working royals, as we know. It strikes me that they must have a very similar sense of humor. Like that sounded just very much the cadence of how Anne talks as well. Definitely. All the royals seem to have that kind of that dry, cadence. droll yeah. sense of humor. Yeah. Honorable mention for this week in royal history goes to Harry and Meghan, who on February 27th, 2022, were presented with the NAACP President's Award for their public service connected to voting rights and anti-racism. I just wanted to flash back to this because it is the end of Black History Month here in the U.S. Also, remember Doria's appearance? That was such a lovely surprise at that event. Yeah, I just wonder if we'll see them again this year. This year's ceremony is March 16th, for what it's worth. Yeah, that would be so exciting. All right, moving on. This week's Royal Rundown, we are talking first about the king, King Charles. We have seen him a good amount, Roberta. First, this kind of ended last week. We got this video of him opening a selection of letters sent to him while he undergoes treatment for cancer. I felt emotional watching this. I think that it was, you know, it was more just kind of a montage with snippets, you know, this lovely classical music in the background. But I think it's really touching to see the connection that he feels to the public that he has and also just demonstrates the power of a handwritten homemade note. I mean, it does, you know, selectively get to the royals. And I think it's kind of encouragement for us to write in. It's not for not, I guess, as they say. I also love the selection of cards that got passed along. I don't know if you thought that was kind of charming to see. I love the dog in the cone card. Yes. And the fact that I think I read somewhere he had 7,000 letters sent to him. Oh, That's... my gosh. Yeah, the mailbags being dumped, I thought, of the crown when they yeah. had that in with the William scenes. We also saw him have his first in-person audience with Rishi Sunak at Buckingham Palace. They had, again, video coverage. There's a lot of social media coordination around Charles being seen. And we know... With the queen, that was the, her whole mantra was, you, I have to be seen to be believed. So I think just that visual on him frequently, Rishi mentions that he Charles is looking well and Charles quips back. It's all done by mirrors, which is hard to hear. <laughs> we didn't put the clip in here because it's hard to hear. But it was it's just it's I think this is the most interesting because it's on everyone's radar, especially this week. But when royals want to be seen, they can be seen. And that is what Charles is doing. That is his approach right now. Yeah, I think. Too, it's in such contrast to the way they have treated the diagnosis and the recovery of the Princess of Wales. They've been so open about Charles. Open with an asterisk because we don't know still what type of cancer, but we're seeing him regularly. That's true. I guess it's just the fact that we see him so regularly and we know that they do have the ability to put the rumors to rest. And yet with Kate, it doesn't feel like they've tried all that hard. Well, so that's what I wanted to talk to you about for a minute is just that I think I was really contemplative about this week because there's a lot of speculation going on. There's a lot of conspiracy theories, which we're not going to get into here. We are trusting, even though the palace has not always been super trustworthy, we can cite examples of that, that they said that, Kate, we will see her after Easter. We're going with that. But I think what's been the most enlightening to me is that privacy is possible, right? I think a lack of leaks is also possible. And I think maybe that's where the discomfort is coming in, is that we really have not experienced with the royals a real deal media blackout. We yeah. are getting a social media glimpse of Kate. We aren't having any according to sources. And that's so wild in the royal sphere when you really think about it. Isn't that staggering? I think that's what strikes us all is at the heart of this is that they've been able to keep it so, so private. But then I think about the Middletons and how private they are. And it yes. feels like it's almost stemming off of her family's privacy that they're able to keep everyone around Kate 
you know, closed off as well. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. And back to Charles, you know, it's just it's been handled so differently. Continuing on, we also had, you know, and this extends our discomfort, King Constantine's memorial service at St. George's Chapel at Windsor this week. He was the final king of Greece, just for a little bit of background, a close friend of Prince Philip and King Charles, and he's also William's godfather. This was the breaking news right ahead of that service that William would not be able to appear. He was supposed to give a reading. He would not be there, quote, due to a personal matter. And this is where kind of the Internet let loose, right? It's It prompted Kensington Palace to release a follow-up statement. William's absence was One, not related to the king's health. Two, not related to Kate, who, quote, continues to be doing well. Also, another statement from the palace, quote, his absence was no reason to panic. Just thought all of this in succession is fascinating, right? You know, just because there's a lot of speculation, again, about why he was missing. I know. And I have a feeling that the palace has a little bit of a problem on their hands when it comes to all of this because... It's so obvious to me when it seeps into non-royal circles, this news. So I got so many texts from friends who aren't in the know about the royals being like, what's up with Kate? And then also Dave was scrolling on Twitter and he's like, oh, there's this, like he doesn't follow anyone related to the royals. He's very much like in his own bubble of yeah. his work. And you it's know, not his, his dominating interest. his feed. It's, not his, it's totally never <laughs> not on his, his recommended radar comment content. whatsoever. <laughs> and yet there was a tweet from someone that just said, oh, I've fallen into the rabbit hole of where Kate Middleton is and I can't get out or something. And so it's like it's just fascinating. I think even seeing like Katie Couric, who I follow on Instagram, their her media company had where is Kate Middleton as a headline. That's been the headline. And it's a lot is, you know, informational when you do click through, but it is a question. And I'm leaning into the belief that we will see her after Easter. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But I do think back to William, there was more speculation. You mentioned it and we're going to talk about it a little bit more in this episode. It's just the sudden death of his cousin, Lady Gabriella Windsor's spouse, Tom Kingston, was his absence related to that, but the palace refuted that as well. So it was not related to that. I think what we're seeing, though, from all of this, Kate, conspiracy theories and discussions and stuff, too, and I know you and I have talked about this a lot, but it's just that the palace does have the ability to sort of shut down the rumors, and sometimes they choose not to. And it's really interesting, and maybe that plays into the privacy thing we just talked about. But I just, I don't know. At the same time, I'm like, if the palace were ever caught lying about something as serious as an abdominal surgery and that wasn't really yeah. the case, there's no coming back no. from that. So it can't possibly be not that. Yes, because that like, specific that. detail was given. Exactly. I, I believe that to be true as well. I do want to mention that there were several royals in attendance yesterday. Queen Camilla, Princess Anne and Tim. Happy birthday ahead of time, as we mentioned. <laughs> Mike and Zara Tyndall were there. Jack Brooks, Mink and B, But also... Prince Andrew. And I want to get into this because I can't understand. Did that, did William's absence and the king's absence leave this gaping hole for Andrew to lead the pack? Those smiling pics, if you click that link, I'm sure you already saw, but some of the coverage, the he- the cover pages today in the UK press show Andrew just beaming. And strutting. I hate how he and strutting. I know. He sat front row. And I think I, I did some digging here and there were some comments made because I was like, why wasn't Anne at the front? Why wasn't the queen at the front? But I guess the it was insisted upon that the order of precedence yesterday was in reverse. So if William had been there, he would have been behind Queen Camilla. So Andrew would have always been at the front, but it just was not the optics that the royal family needed during this bumpy feeling week. And aside from all that's happening with William and Kate, who knows, behind the scenes, and 
with Charles and his cancer recovery, just the fact that you're attending a memorial service for the death of a king and you're smiling and laughing on the way to the church, like that gives such a bad vibe. I like know. I just I just hate that. It's like it's it's just he's not even attuned to what is going on around him. I do feel like that image was probably used against I did see some other pics of some of the family smiling outside but I but I agree with you I totally agree Fergie was also there she looked lovely Unless it's like a celebration of life no I know still, I know still. it just felt wrong and I think just coming from him it's like just feels like he's giddy to be back in the spotlight and he doesn't he's not deserving of that position I know it was also labeled as a private family occasion but it didn't feel like that it felt very business side to me I don't know I know that they were you know obviously family ties. But I thought Fergie looked lovely. I just think, again, back to William, just the tabloids were even dubbing his absence a mystery. We are also expected to see him at two engagements this very week. So I'm curious what that will look like. And if anyone will shout questions from the press pack, because that's often what happens after these kinds of things. Tell me about Anne's fashion, though, because I know that you loved it and you sent me a picture right away. (laughs) I feel like it's weird to, it always feels a little weird to call out fab like memorial service or funeral fashion but i just thought her wrap coat walking in to the church was so stunning and chic with the fringe with the fringe she just it really like caught me immediately as i glanced at the arrivals her boots also have fringe so she's got a whole look going on yeah, here i mean i just again back to the windsor women for a second not sophie wasn't there but camilla and ann i just think that they have just been rocks for everyone right now so credit to them yeah. Also, I want to shout out Letizia's oh, outfit yes. because really every monarchy around the world had some representation yes. there and it, she just looks so stunning. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to talk about the Sussexes? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Just a few quick rapid fire mentions about the Sussexes to get us all up to speed. So last Thursday, Megan had lunch and a dinner out. Big day for Megan. She had lunch with her wedding dress designer, Claire Waite Keller, at Cipriani's in Beverly Hills, and then had sushi with an executive from Oprah's Harpo Productions. Two back-to-back lunches that feel very businessy and very something's coming from Megan. So I'm excited to see what. We also had the update today that Harry lost his court case involving his downgraded security. The judge rejected Harry's challenge, essentially ruling that the British Home Office could downgrade Harry as he's no longer a working royal. Now, reminder, this comes after last May in a parallel legal case where Harry lost a bid to pay for police protection out of his own pocket. So now he's no longer allowed to get the same protection that the royals are granted, but he also can't pay for it out of pocket. And to me, the biggest question that this leaves me with is, isn't the threat still there? Yeah. I just have to wonder why they would make these decisions and what he's going to do moving forward every time he steps foot in the UK, because... I don't know if you saw, but just before we hit record, he recorded a video message Harry did for the Well Child Awards asking for nominations for this year's awards. Those usually take place in September in the UK. Is he able to go now that security is such a big issue again for them? I don't know. I don't like this for them. I I just feel frightened on their behalf. The last little update is that all of this legal stuff and the security issue with Harry and Meghan goes hand in hand with a new update that the Sussexes have sort of been vindicated from their, quote, much mocked claim about that catastrophic car chase in New York City. So in the legal documents for the case that Harry just lost, the NYPD 
wrote a letter that declared it really was a catastrophic, their words, car chase, and that they do have enough evidence to arrest two individuals involved in the chase. In the letter, they say that the chase was not just, quote, reckless, but also, quote, persistently dangerous. That must feel good, though, to have the vindication, even if he lost this court challenge in the UK, just to have the NYPD actually saying, yes, it was dangerous. Yes, we have enough evidence to arrest two people, although they have not arrested those two people yet, interestingly. That's so fascinating. Yeah, that's that's a crazy update and material from that other case. Especially when I think, you know, you hear certain narratives that come out, like the mayor saying that he can't believe that it would be as they described and, you know, other people alleging that it was a taxi driver saying that it was calm and there's it's New York. This happens all the time to kind of a year later get an update like this. It's just like you can never know what's going on in real life until you have the full picture. No, it does feel like the mayor spoke prematurely, too, at that press conference when it happened. It's bizarre that that was what he how he described it, because I think that's such an authoritative statement. Totally. And I I just think and I know you agree with this, that any time anything involving a car in the light of Princess Diana and all that happened, we should have so much sensitivity toward this. So, so much. Yeah. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. All right. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows of the week, my low is just those Trump comments Ugh. about Prince Harry. Ugh, I don't even want to mention his Rachel. name in this I podcast. Know, I know. <laughs> Especially because ugh, just November is just so scary I'm and shaping yeah. up to be, yeah, just horrible. But speaking at the CPAC on Saturday, if you missed it, former President Trump said of Harry, I wouldn't protect him. He betrayed the queen. That's unforgivable. He would be on his own if it was down to me. He also added, I think they've been too gracious to him after what he's done. And I guess they being Joe Biden, the administration, who knows? This is all very unhinged. and It's very unhinged. It's just really disturbing. And Trump doesn't know anything. Why is he saying that? I just think of the Michael Buble reworking of lyrics at the Invictus <laughs> where they kind of burned Trump. So it definitely seems to be this like animosity. <laughs> it's like always tip for tat. They just go yeah, yeah, yeah. He was Trump was waiting to bring them up again. All right, Milo, we've already mentioned it a couple of times, but just the news about Lady Gabriella's husband. This was a shock across, I think, the royal world for the immediate family, but for all of us following along that Tom Kingston died suddenly at age 45. What we know is that there's no suspicious activity expected. Just totally heartbreaking. I couldn't help but flash back to their wedding when Lady Gabriella and Tom got married exactly one year after Harry and Meghan's at St. George's. It was almost, it felt so reminiscent to have it kind of be the same location as Harry and Meghan's back then. And I don't know if you remember, feel free to click that link, Roberta, but the Queen was there, Prince Philip was there, even Prince Harry unexpectedly popped up, and he was just weeks It was weeks after Archie was born. So it was a real surprise. And you had these wonderful images that came out of their wedding because it had the Queen and Harry kind of bantering outside. And I think of those images often. Just very sad. So, so sad. Our sympathies go out to that family as well. 
My high this week is there was this secret Fergie appearance in a new Hallmark movie. What? I'm so glad I remembered to talk I about didn't this. Notice. Because a few Roros actually DM'd me about this and it's I looked it up, Rachel. It has gotten no press coverage. How? There's one article in Decider, but it has gotten no coverage at all. So Fergie makes an appearance in the Hallmark Channel's new movie, An American in Austin. Austin is spelled like Jane Austen, and it's kind of a recreation of Pride and Prejudice where this woman wishes that she met her Mr. Darcy and then she falls asleep and wakes up and she's living her own Pride and Prejudice story. So Fergie is her character is just the Duchess. She's in one scene at the Netherfield Ball. She looks stunning. She looks gorgeous. She also is a co-producer of the movie. What? Hold hold (laughs) the phone. This is insane. Also, like, forget the Prince Andrew documentary. This is what you should watch and I should watch on the plane next week. <laughs> Talk about whiplash with the Yorks, but like I'm all, I'm going to be watching Secrets of Prince Andrew and then An American in Austin. Palette cleanser, the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. All right. Well, my high is also culture related. Just Elizabeth Debicki taking home the actor at the SAG Awards for her role as Diana in the Crown. I just am so happy for her. She seemed genuinely shocked to win. I think her com- category was completely competitive. She kicked off her shoes as she approached the stage, gave a very lovely speech. I just I enjoyed watching the SAG Awards, which I don't usually tune into too much, but it was Ted Lasso's the cast of Ted Lasso's last kind of full appearance together. And they were there. I don't know if you saw the tracksuits, Roberta. It was very. No. Oh, they were dancing all <laughs> but together. But they all that wore the same so tracksuits, too, for the after parties. And anyways, it was on Netflix. So it was commercial free, which is a little bit odd. But I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that it was quite the star studded occasion. So congrats to Elizabeth Debicki. That's my high. Yes, congrats. I also want to say that the fashion was so fabulous. So I good. loved America Ferreira's dress. So Me much. too. Would you rate her as best dress of this award season? Who would you say so Ooh. far? Oscars are next weekend, right? You know who's dominating? I feel like my feed all the time is Zendaya. Oh, But yes. I don't know if I would rate her. Like, that's not really my style. She's worn, like, a lot of weird things lately. Yeah. But I, I I think America's up there. Yeah, she, she's, I just she's love her. Worn such gorgeous outfits. All right, just a reminder before we close, please leave us a royal rating. We would love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you listen. Here is a recent review titled Bravo. They said, I look forward to listening to you every week, and I love the fact that what information you share with us all is unbiased. I also love listening to all of the updates in your personal lives and what is going on with the two of you. Congrats on your engagement. Oh, that's so nice. And also, it's just so an echo of the listener email. I love we that be you sharing, care like, what we're about us, guys. It's very week? touching. I'm like, I always feel like we should like button it up and move on to the royal content. But it's very kind of you to say yeah, all this. Yeah, we always feel like we're derailed if we talk too much about ourselves. Yeah. But I will share that I'm going to dinner in New York tomorrow night. And Where are you going? All right, I'm going to Waverly Inn. <gasps> Have you ever been there? No, I've not. But that's like a CNBC and destination. I hope you see I a hope celeb. I see some famous people. It just looks so pretty and cozy on the inside. And yes, I'm going to splurge on an $18 cocktail. Yes. But, and know, then report back next week. Or not next week, the, the week after for the Royal Refreshment segment. I will. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Also follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And send us a note. Info at gallerypodcasts.com is the email address. Until the week after next, (laughs) God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. 
Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.